This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We'll now have a time of scripture reading. Today's scripture reading will be taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 52. If you have your Bibles, please take them out. If not, you can refer to the screen above. Chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register of Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword appears your own soul too. 
There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and man. This is the word of God. Good morning, friends. Thank you for joining us uh, in person here or on Zoom. Ben just read for us Luke chapter 2. So I'll be going through the passage just to show us what it means. Please join me as I ask God for help. Let's pray. Oh God, by your Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Right. I was at a conference uh, last year, and at this conference, one of the speakers said that he bumped into Lance Armstrong at the airport. Now, Lance Armstrong, you see he's doing number seven. He was a successful uh, cyclist, road racing cyclist. So he won seven Tour de France titles. I said was because he was stripped of those seven titles because he used performance-enhancing drugs. Now, this speaker uh, was a fan of Lance Armstrong. So when he saw Lance Armstrong at, at the airport, uh, at, a, at a fast food joint, he went over and he said, Hi, are you Lance Armstrong? And Lance said, um, Yes. But his body language was saying, Don't hurt me. Now, the speaker told Lance Armstrong how he was in France in 2004 when he won one of his uh, one of his titles when Lance uh, crossed the finish line. So when he, when he said that, Lance got concerned because he was concerned about the, his influence over the speaker's voice. So Lance put his head down and he said, I messed up so badly. I messed up so badly. It's like there's this guilt weighing on him 
uh, that he has let other people down. This guilt that is preventing him from finding peace. Now, I, I have said this many times in my life. I wonder whether you have to. We've all messed up in some way. When I was uh, interning as a uni student, I messed up my, book, my boss's book manuscript. So he went to the publisher with one page missing. Maybe as children, we've messed up. Some of the mistakes we made in the past carry on to today. Even as parents, uh, we mess up. I was teaching the children one, one time about uh, children's ministry about Abraham, about how God keeps his promises. And they got it. They said, oh, God keeps his promises. Whatever he says, he will do. Then they started talking about how we parents always break our promises. So we mess up our relationships with our family, our friends, and at work. And we have also messed up with God. But he loves us. He loves us, but we, how we do we treat him? We ignore him. We reject him. So between us and God, we have messed up. We are guilty. There's no peace between us. And the people in Lewis Gospel know this. They know what it's like to mess up. They've rejected God as a people. So God punished them. And God allowed the foreign dogs that they despise to overtake them, to, de- to defeat them, to rule over them. At this point of the story, like the Romans. But God promised a savior, a savior to save them from all their enemies. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 69. This is what God, uh, this is what Zechariah said. Verse 69. He has raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. God knows we have messed up. God knows we are guilty. God knows we have no peace with him. So God sent Jesus to save us. Now, Jesus didn't suddenly appear as an adult and take away all our sins. No. Jesus came as a baby. So today, uh, we will focus on Jesus growing up. We get three snapshots. So we have one on his birthday, one on his 40th day, and one when he's 12 years old. And today, as we look through this passage, I want to show you that Jesus can give you peace. And I hope you wonder as, about this child like the Christmas carol. What child is this? Our search for the Savior begins in Jerusalem. So in chapter 2, verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now Caesar Augustus, in verse 1, he is, he is famous because he brought peace to his empire. Now this peace costs money. So what he did is he sent everyone back home uh, to their own hometown so that he can take a census to figure out how many people were there in each part of his empire. And he'll tax them based on that number. So this is the tax that will pay, that will support the Roman peace, uh, to uphold that Roman peace. But God uses Caesar's decree to bring one family from Nazareth uh, to Bethlehem. That's to bring Jesus' family. Let's look at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the line of a house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I wonder when you notice the repeated word here. Joseph was a descendant of David. He came down to the, to the, to the city of David because he belonged to the, line, the house and line of David. Joseph was his descendant of David. This is the same David uh, that God promised what, that one of his children would be a forever king. Now, I was just uh, talking to, uh, to, to some of you just now, and I shared, oh, I just graduated from Bible college. And Bible college, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a very clever student, but I was a very Singaporean student. So one of the ways I memorized uh, God's promises to David is, Seven, eight, nine. Okay. So seven, eight, nine, seven because Second Samuel chapter seven. Eighty-nine because Psalms eighty-nine. So seven, eight, nine. So uh, if any of you want to study at ETCA, you can remember this. Okay. okay so Second Samuel chapter seven, we saw that last week in our Bible studies uh, in Luke chapter one. So today let's look at Psalm eighty-nine. Psalm 89, verse 3 to 4. You, this God, God, you said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. So David, Jesus descended from this David's line and he was born in this David's town in Bethlehem. Jesus could be this forever king. But don't you think the next few verses are strange? Uh, let's look at verse 6. Verse 6. While, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, this isn't how you treat a king. You see, this king didn't even have uh, a guest room. He had to be with the animals and his bed, the passage says, a manger, the cattle's dinner plate. This is strange even for us today. But if you take the bus or you take the MRT, if you see a pregnant woman or if you see uh, someone carrying a baby, you better give up your seat. Otherwise, people will take a picture of you and put it on stomp. No, that's how, that's, that's how we are today. And I'm not sure how Mary felt. Look back with me in chapter 1, verse 32. This, the angel Gabriel said in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, that this baby, what would this baby be like? Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the Most High. The, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Mary might be thinking, I'm not seeing any of this with this manger business. This place smells of goat, sheep, cattle, and that cow just pooped beside the son of the Most High. So we will complain to the, the owner of the house about this. I will take the issue out with case, or uh, we will Instagram it with the hashtag, so poor thing. But God used this humble birth, this humble dinner plate bed, to prove that this baby is the savior of the world. You see, out in the fields nearby, a shepherd's were well, well, were on their normal night shift. Chapter 2, verse 8. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Tend the sheep, make sure they don't get lost. Suddenly, the angel appeared with God's glory, shone all around. And this angel appeared, and this angel said two things about Jesus. Who he is, and the sign that you found the right baby. Who he is, and the sign that you found the baby. Let's look at the sign first. Look at verse 12. Do you see what the sign is? Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's exactly where Mary left Jesus in verse 7. A manger. You'll find a baby in a manger. Second, who is Jesus? So we saw a sign. Now we see who is Jesus. The angel gives Jesus three titles in verse 11. Verse 11, let me read it for us and see if you can spot it. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is the Savior, Messiah, and the Lord. Now let's focus on these three titles. Jesus is the Savior. So he's the one who saves his people from their enemies. That's what we saw in chapter 1, verse 69 to 71. Jesus is the Messiah. Now Messiah is, a, is another word to talk about. This forever king that will come down from David's line. The king that God chooses to save, to lead his people. So Jesus is this king, this Messiah. And Jesus is... The Lord. The Lord. This means that Jesus is God. So somehow, Jesus is fully a human baby and he's also fully God. The one who created the world, the one who keeps it going, is right there, lying in a manger. The hope of God's people, the salvation for the world, the savior of David, from David's line, promised by God, Announced by angels, lying in a manger. And suddenly, an army of angels appear and they, with the first angel, and together they praise God and they sung in chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, do, to those on whom his favor rests. So the angels all praise God for sending Jesus, sending the Savior. They also sung about heavenly peace to some people, to those people on whom his favor rests. Some people. This heavenly peace is for those God favors, not for everyone. Not everyone will accept this peace. You see, this peace is a heavenly peace between us and God. So just now I talked about this, but when we rejected God, what was our relationship with God like? It's rejection, there's hate, animosity, enemies. But God sent Jesus to save us by dying on the cross. So there's, there's true peace between us and God. There's a relationship between peace between us and God. Not this outward Roman Empire peace where there's no wars, there are no physical wars, but a relationship between peace between us and God. I read about this story about this missionary who struggled to, to translate verse 14 into uh, native language. 
And then the word peace here is especially difficult but it's because there's no similar word. So after struggling for a long time, uh, he and his assistant finally came out with a translation that captured what's going on here. So this is his translation. He said, God in heaven is just so good. So people who live in this world, if God's heart is happy with them, then their fear is all gone now. So the people who live in this world, if God's heart is happy with them, then their fear is all gone now. Jesus came to give you this fear all gone now, peace with God. So God will forgive you of your rebellion. And there's no more guilt hanging over you because of how you've treated God. Now what's amazing about Jesus from here? Jesus is the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Or you might expect this kind of Savior to be someone like a great human king like David. Someone who honored God, someone who ruled over people and brought peace. But you know the problem with human kings? The problem is, they die. But if this king, if this king is God, then this king can rule over his people perfectly. He can live forever. He can rule forever over his people. He can save his people forever. Now this means Jesus, because he is, a hu- he is human and he's God, he's a king, Jesus can bring us the perfect heavenly peace between us and God. Where all the hostility, hate, enmity, rage between us and God, all gone. Replaced with forgiveness, with love. Then how do the shepherds respond to this great news? In verse 20, they were excited. They were ecstatic. And they went to spread news about this baby. So I, can imagine, I can imagine them walking, walking around the town and, and knocking on everyone's door to tell them the news. I can imagine it's something like this. Hey, I know it's 12 a.m., but we found the Savior, Messiah, and Lord in that house, the one down the street. The one lying in the manger, you've got to check it out. He's going to give us peace with God. That's awesome. But today, friends, we are too easily awed. We are too easily awed by what people can do. So if you can take great pictures, whoa, awesome. Or if someone scored full marks for things here, whoa, awesome. In December, my family and I watched the Lego movie. And you know the theme song? Everything is awesome. Now friends, if everything is awesome, then really nothing is actually awesome. Especially Jesus, the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Now we can be impressed by what people can do, but let's reserve our greatest awe and our wonder, worship, and glory for Jesus. Because Jesus gives you peace. So what child is this? This child is the Savior, Messiah, and Lord, and He gives you peace. So that's, what, that's the first passage uh, on His birthday. Our next passage occurs 40 days after Jesus' birth, on Jesus' 40th day. So the scene is the temple. Mary and Joseph are there to complete their religious rites for having a child, 
And there, there is Simeon and Anna. They're both godly people. So verse 25 gives Simeon the two thumbs up. He is righteous and devout. And verse 36 talks about Anna. It talks about how Anna is a prophet. In verse 37, it says, She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. But I wonder if you notice that there's something wrong with God's people. You look, look again at verse 25. It says that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Go, Simeon is waiting for God to console them, to comfort them, to forgive them for sinning against him. That's what God promised uh, in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for. That she, ha- she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Simeon was looking for a time that, that God would comfort, comfort his people. And to, he had to wait a long time for God to comfort, comfort him. Let's think about it. Well, for us, uh, COVID has disrupted our lives for over two years. Now, two, these two years have been hard uh, at schools, for, for us at home, at, at work. We've had strains on healthcare, uh, relationships, on our mental state, and especially on our spiritual state. And some of us have begun to doubt if God even cares for us. And that's just two years. For Simeon and Anna, how long did they wait? Not two years like us, and not even their whole lives. They waited over 700 years. 700 years because this prophecy from Isaiah came 700 years before Jesus. So that's how long God's people have waited for God to comfort them. So on this day, on Jesus' 40th day, God told Simeon, this 700-year wait, this 700-year wait is over. Consolation has come. So Simeon declares, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Yet, not everyone will accept Jesus. Not everyone will accept Jesus. Comfort? Okay. And the next one is? Okay, so comfort to bring peace. Next slide is? Okay, division. Okay, so verse 34. This, Simeon says that this child is destined to bring the falling and rising of many in Israel. Because of Jesus, some will rise, some will fall. There will be a separation. Jesus is a sign that people will speak against. People will reject him. People reject his comfort, God's comfort. People will reject God's salvation. God, some people reject God's peace through Jesus. But not Simeon. See, Simeon says in verse 30, no, verse 29, that he can die a happy man because he has seen Jesus. He can die a happy man because God has comforted him. God can dismiss him in peace. You might think that he'll be afraid of dying, but no, he has peace. 
I wonder if you think like me about Simeon. I wish I could feel like that. I wish I could be like Simeon. You see, we know much more about Jesus than Simeon. Uh, we have uh, 27 books of the Bible more than Simeon. We have the New Testament. We know how this story ends. We know how Jesus saves us by dying on a cross and rising from the dead. But in our humanness, we are more excited, or we are more content, we look for peace in the latest trend, latest fad, or from our family, from our work, from, from any worldly thing in this possible, but not from Jesus. How can we be excited about Jesus? How can we say like Simeon, I've seen your salvation and I'm at peace? There's, there are some things that we can do uh, to make these truths um, more, more real to us. So on a personal level, we can spend time reflecting on how Jesus saved you from the man-based religion that tells us to do this, to do that, to be saved. Instead, to receive uh, the the saving that's already done, the peace that Jesus has already given you. So one way that you might try uh, is you could try uh, writing it out as a personal testimony for you to reflect, to to remember how Jesus saved you. And I think we, we could help help each other to do this. We can encourage each other to be excited, to look, to remember how Jesus saved us. Remember how we still need Jesus, uh, maybe after, at lunch later, by Bible study. And we, we need God's help uh, to cause us to appreciate how much we need Jesus. And so pray for God to change our hearts. So what child is this? Jesus, on his birthday, was declared Savior, Messiah, and Lord because he brings us peace. Jesus, at 40 days old, was announced to to bring long-awaited comfort, and he lets us be dismissed in peace. Now, Jesus, at 12 years old, tells us where to find this peace, where he will save uh, his people. He told the story here from verse 41 to the end. It's simple. So Mary, uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus go to Jerusalem every year at the Passover. But at 12 years old, Jesus stays behind at Jerusalem while Mary and Joseph head back to Nazareth. Then they realize Jesus isn't with them. So they, they turn back and go back to Jerusalem. And on the third day, they find Jesus in the temple listening to the teachers and asking questions. Let me continue this story at verse 48. As I continue this story, perhaps one thing to think about is maybe the time that your parents lost you or the time that you lost your children. Okay, 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 so let me continue the story from verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus picks up on the phrase, Your father, in verse 48, and answers in verse 49 to show that God is his real father. Verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And what's the point of this story? Now, the point of this story isn't to teach us, to, isn't to teach kids to honor their father and mother, though that is important. And the point of this story isn't to teach parents to watch over your teenagers because they'll run away. Now, though that is also important. 
Now, the story here has a few, has a few clues for us to figure out what's going on. The two clues are time and location. Time and location. Time. So when is this happening? Verse 41 says this happening during the Passover. And another reference to time is verse 46. After three days. First time. Location. Verse 41. They went to Jerusalem. Uh, and verse, verse 45. They, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem. And the other location, uh, verse 46. After, yeah, after, 46, uh, verse 46, after three days, they found him in the temple courts. And in verse 49, didn't you know I had, I had to be in my father's house? So time and location. Verse 49, Jesus had to be in his father's house. So the word had is a very small word for us in English, but it's actually a very important word. Jesus must be in his father's house. It was necessary, it was Jesus' life purpose to be at his father's house in Jerusalem. Now remember what did the angel say about Jesus? Remember what Simeon said about Jesus? Jesus was supposed to be the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Jesus was supposed to bring comfort for his people. Jesus was supposed to save his people. People oppose him. And Jesus will do all of these things at his father's house in Jerusalem. So for those of us who have read Luke or read any of the Gospels before, what is Jesus talking about? Why, how are these time, how is this location important? Passover, three days, Jerusalem, my father's house. Now all these things come together at the end of the book of Luke, where Jesus makes his way from Galilee, all, all through Galilee to Jerusalem, where at Jerusalem he is rejected by the people at the temple, where he dies on the cross at Jerusalem. And all this happened during the Passover season. But after three days, Jesus rose from the dead. So that later in, in Luke chapter 24, you can say this. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 46 to 47. This is what he said after he rose from the dead. And he's talking to his disciples and Jesus says, Jesus says, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah, as Jesus, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name uh, to, the, all the nation, to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus, at 12 years old, knew his mission. He did not mess up. And the book of Luke, as we saw in the previous weeks, traced that journey from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem because he knew his mission. Now, Mary didn't understand Jesus. Mary didn't understand what's going on. So back in chapter 2, uh, turn back to verse 19. In verse 19, Mary treasured up all the shepherd had said and stored it up in her heart. She thought about that over and over again in her heart. We saw a similar phrase going on in, chapter, in verse 50. Chapter 2, verse 50. They did, she didn't understand. They didn't understand. And verse 51. 
but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Oh, maybe you thought uh, the shepherds and Simeon's reaction, maybe their joy was a bit much, a bit over the top. How can anyone know what a babbling baby will become? So if that's what's in your mind, Luke invites you uh, to think about Mary's response. Luke invites you to ponder about these things in your heart. Examine the facts about Jesus. Turn it over and over again in your heart. See if Jesus really is the one who can bring you peace. If you have thought about it and you realize uh, maybe he doesn't, then you can say at least you've given Jesus some thought. But if you find that Jesus can really give you peace, can really give you comfort now, then for you there is forgiveness. For you there is peace for all the times we have let God down, for all the times we have messed up. And there can be a restart in our relationship with God. So what child is this? On his birthday, Jesus is declared to be Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And he gives us peace with God. Jesus, at 40 days, was announced to bring long-awaited comfort so we can be dismissed in peace. Jesus, at 12 years old, shows us that he will give us peace from Jerusalem. Jesus gives you peace. Now, this means two things. Jesus gives you peace. This means two things. First, this means that Jesus is the great Savior. This means that there is no sin that's so big, so great, that he cannot save you from. No matter how big your burden, no matter how great your guilt, no matter how long you've carried it for, Jesus wants to give you peace with God. Jesus wants to comfort you. Jesus wants to grant you God's forgiveness. So if you trust in Jesus, if you rely on Jesus, he will take away your guilt from before God now. He will give you peace with God now. That's the first point. Jesus is a great savior. Second, we are saved sinners. We are saved sinners. In church, whether on Zoom or in person, we here, we have no perfect people. All we have here are saved sinners if you have trusted in Jesus. See, Jesus, has, Jesus, saves, Jesus only saves messed up people People like you and I. So you must not think that we have messed up so bad that this thing must be kept secret, must be kept hidden. We must not think that we have messed up so bad that no one can accept us. So we must always portray this positive image, this perfect image of ourselves. This uh, Instagram-worthy picture of ourselves. No. We are saved sinners. We help one another fight sin now. We, we acknowledge that we are all saved sinners. There's no one who's perfect and we need each other's help. Jesus gives you peace. He is our savior and we are saved sinners. Let me close with the words of the angels. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.